Ashling's UN Insight, a weekly look at the work of the United Nations. Welcome to Ashling's UN Insights. Having recently returned from an internship at the United Nations headquarters in New York, and with my family growing weary of my constant yammering on about it, I've decided to pass on what I learned to you lovely listeners. The UN is heralding the 2020s as their decade of action. So what exactly is it that they're working on? This week, we're looking at Sustainable Development Goal number 5, entitled Gender Equality. This Sustainable Development Goal aims to achieve gender equality and empower all women and girls. This includes goals to end all forms of discrimination and public and private violence against all women and girls everywhere by 2030, as well as to end harmful practices like child, early and forced marriage and FGM and ensure universal reproductive rights and access to sexual and reproductive health care. SDG 5 also aims to ensure women's full and effective participation in political, economic and public life as well as equal opportunities to achieve leadership positions and to recognise and value unpaid care and domestic work, whilst also promoting shared responsibility within households. The UN hope to achieve this through a variety of methods, including promoting the adoption and enforcement of legislation which promotes gender equality and the empowerment of all women and girls, as well as reforms which give women equal rights to economic resources access to land and property ownership, inheritance and natural resources. They also want to enhance the use of enabling technology, such as information and communications technology, to promote the empowerment of women. So, how close are we to achieving these goals? The practices of child marriage and FGM are continuing to decline around the world, but the UN stresses that the overall numbers continue to be high. A high percentage of women and girls still face physical and sexual violence and are not allowed to make their own decisions about when they use health services. Data from 90 countries showed that women devote on average roughly three times more hours a day to unpaid care and domestic work than men, which limits the time they are available for paid work, education and leisure, and therefore further reinforces gender-based socio-economic disadvantages. Many countries also still have gaps in their legal frameworks surrounding violence against women, gender discrimination in employment and economic spheres and family. Progress in this area is slowed by the low levels of political participation of women who continue to be underrepresented at all levels of political leadership, including national and local elected bodies. As of January 2019, women make up on average 24.2% of national parliaments, which is an improvement on 19% from 2010, but in some countries it is less than 1%. The UN report on SDG 5 stresses that when legislated gender quotas are adopted, significantly higher proportions of women are elected at both national and local levels, which shows the success of such quotas. There is a long way to go before achieving SDG 5, and the UN attributes the slow progress to legal discrimination unfair social norms and attitudes, decision-making on sexual and reproductive issues, and low levels of political participation. But with continued focus on these areas, this decade could take us closer to achieving gender equality for all. The scope of the United Nations is huge, since there are many departments tackling different global issues, 
So each week I'm shining the spotlight on one department and looking at the work that they do. This week I want to look at the United Nations Office for Disaster Risk Reduction, whose acronym is UNDRR. It was formed at the end of 1999 and its headquarters are in Geneva in Switzerland. The UNDRR coordinates disaster reduction amongst UN departments, governments and communities in order to ensure a safer and more sustainable future. It works on increasing investment in disaster risk reduction and strengthening the international system of disaster risk reduction whilst ensuring that disaster risk reduction is being applied to climate change adaptation. The UNDRR stresses that disasters are not natural but occur as a result of a natural hazard being exacerbated by human vulnerability. They want to shift the focus from picking up the pieces after a disaster to risk-proofing the start of any development investment. They state that one US dollar invested in risk reduction and prevention can save up to 15 US dollars in post-disaster recovery and that for every one US dollar invested in making infrastructure disaster resilient, it saves four US dollars when it comes to reconstruction. The priorities of the United Nations Office for Disaster Risk Reduction are based on the Sendai Framework for Disaster Risk Reduction 2015-2030. These priorities are firstly understanding disaster risk, then strengthening disaster risk governance to manage disaster risk, and investing in disaster risk reduction resilience. The final priority is enhancing disaster preparedness for effective responses and to build back better during recovery, rehabilitation and reconstruction. By 2030, the UNDRR hoped to substantially reduce global disaster mortality, the number of affected people globally, the direct economic loss in relation to GDP and disaster damage to critical infrastructure and disruption of basic services. Additionally, they hope to substantially increase the number of countries with national and local disaster risk reduction strategies, enhance international cooperation with developing countries, and substantially increase the availability of and access to multi-hazard early warning systems. They are working towards a sustainable future where disasters don't devastate communities. There was an international day every day this week. These days aim to raise awareness of a particular global issue, and if any of these topics really pique your interest, then I encourage you to look into them further, as that is exactly the aim of declaring international days in this way. Monday the 15th of June was World Elder Abuse Day, which hopes to raise awareness of this serious social problem which is often hidden from public view and Tuesday the 16th of June was the International Day of Family Remittances, which recognises the contribution of over 200 million migrants to improving the lives of their 800 million family members back home and to creating a future of hope for their children. Wednesday the 17th of June was the World Day to Combat Desertification and Drought. Desertification is the degradation of land in arid, semi-arid and dry, sub-humid areas not the advancement of deserts. This year's key message is that to have enough productive land to meet the demands of 10 billion people by 2050, lifestyles need to change. Thursday the 18th of June was Sustainable Gastronomy Day, which highlights the need for cuisine that takes into account where the ingredients are from, how the food is grown, and how it gets to our markets and eventually to our plates. 
Friday the 19th of June was the International Day for the Elimination of Sexual Violence and Conflict, which is needed to highlight that fear and cultural stigma converge to prevent the vast majority of survivors of conflict-related sexual violence from coming forward to report such violence, but that combating impunity for sexual violence is a central aspect of deterring and preventing such crimes. Saturday the 20th of June was World Refugee Day. It is estimated that every minute, 20 people are forcibly displaced by war, persecution or terror. The specific message this year is to remind the world that everyone, including refugees, can contribute to society as we all work towards a more just, inclusive and equal world. Today, Sunday the 21st of June, is the International Day of Yoga, which aims to raise awareness worldwide of the many benefits of practising yoga, such as it being a powerful tool to deal with stress and a way to maintain physical well-being. Today is also the International Day of the Celebration of the Solstice, which is recognised because the solstice is seen as the embodiment of the unity of cultural heritage and centuries-long traditions, since many cultures celebrate various combinations of the solstices, the equinoxes and the midpoints between them. So, what has been discussed at the UN this week? As before, if any of the things I mention particularly catch your attention, then you could hop on the UN Web TV website and watch the meetings in full. This week was the resumption of the 43rd session of the Human Rights Council, after the session was suspended in March due to COVID-19. Throughout the week, there were meetings in Geneva related to human rights, covering the human rights situation in places such as Palestine, the Democratic Republic of Congo, Mali, Ukraine, Libya, the Central African Republic and Afghanistan, as well as discussing topics such as racism, xenophobia, police brutality and violence against peaceful protests. On Monday, there were meetings held by the investigative team to promote accountability for crimes committed by Daesh-ISIL and the Subcommittee on Prevention of Torture, who had a second meeting on Thursday and a third on Friday. On Wednesday, there were elections for the President of the General Assembly, non-permanent members of the Security Council and members of the Economic and Social Council. Turkish diplomat Volkan Bozka was elected President of the General Assembly and Norway, Ireland, Mexico, India and Kenya were elected as non-permanent members of the Security Council following a second round of voting on Thursday. That's all from me for now, but join me next week for more UN Insights and News. See you then! Ashling's UN Insight, a weekly look at the work of the United Nations. We've been